On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Gary Trent Jr. opts into the final year of his deal against what most expectations were. What does it mean for the Raptors? Is it good? Is it bad? What does it mean for Fred Van Vliet and the other free agents? Plus, we bring in Joe Wolfond of The Score and Pound the Rock to talk about our levels of optimism that the Raptors can actually thread the needle on this very difficult offseason they've set up for themselves. And we round it out with mid-level madness, everybody's favorite names from a hat game. We'll get to that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, June the 21st. It's Draft Eve, baby. It's uh, Can you feel the excitement and the rumors and the scuttlebutt and the smoke screens? It's unbelievable. Uh, it's very exciting. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, of course. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. If you're still using Twitter, you can also go and follow the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And most importantly, come hang out in the Lockdown Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's a ton of fun. It's, uh, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked about all the things at this point. We're just waiting for Thursday. Everyone's opinions have been made, but there's uh, plenty of other stuff going on in there as well. Talk about Tears of the Kingdom and the stupid Blue Jays who are making us all very angry. Come hang out. Great little community we got growing around the show in the Discord. Link is in the description. And as always, please subscribe, follow, rate, and review for free on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube as well. All right, let's get to it. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we will get started by bringing in our pal Joe Wolfond of The Score and the wonderful Pound the Rock podcast. Joe, it's lovely to have you back, pal. How are you? Great, man. Always a pleasure to do this with you. It's been a minute, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm here for the scuttlebutt, so let's get into it. It's just, what would basketball be without the subterfuge, right? Like, that that's just what really this is all about. The games, who cares? You know, happy the finals ended in just five. We didn't have to watch two more extra stupid basketball games getting in the way of all of our fun. Um, Joe, you're here today. We're going to dig into the sort of level of optimism that we both share or do not share going into the offseason here for the Raptors as the draft is tomorrow for agencies about a week out. And a lot of different things could happen for this Raptors team. They've set themselves up with a very difficult needle to thread. It got a little easier with the news of Gary Trent Jr. opting in, I think. Um, but we'll get into that as well. And then we're also going to play mid-level madness. If you're not familiar, this is a game created last year. I have a hat. In it are the names of some pretty mediocre free agents, and we're going to run through them all, pull out a name at a time, and discuss whether or not they'd be a good fit for the Raptors with all or some of their mid-level exception. That's at the end of the show, and we'll play this in the lead-up to free agency a couple more times as well, as I got too many names in that hat for just today. But let's begin, Joe. Gary Trent Jr. opts in yesterday to his $18.56 million option for the last year of his deal. The Raptors now have just two pending unrestricted free agents, which is a good thing. Um... 
what was your reaction to this? I think a lot of people were surprised. I actually, I've kind of been feeling for months like maybe his market was being overstated, theoretically speaking, with the sort of free agent market out there, the lack of cap space and Gary Trent Jr. just not being the kind of guy the teams are going to jump over themselves to go and sign, do a big deal. Uh, but still, maybe a bit of a surprise that he opts in. It clears up one question for the team. What was your overall reaction response? Do you feel like this is a good development for the Raptors as the draft now looms tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's a very good development, and there's a lot of talk now about potentially extending Gary Trent, and I don't right. necessarily think that would be a good development. <laughs> sure. I, I like the idea of having him on this one year, you know, 18 and a half, and potentially being a trade chip, or you sort of see how the season goes. Like, I, I don't... Extending him now would feel like jumping the gun to me unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you have... There was this question mark that you have now been able to sort of wipe off of the slate like the biggest issue that the raptors have had i think the last couple of years is a lack of guard depth mm -hmm. so having literally the only two guards on the roster be unrestricted free agents would have been a, you know a, a not great outcome especially if the team is like trying to at least to some extent win mm -hmm. next season like i think having him back at what is pretty much like market value i would say uh is is a good outcome. And honestly, it's probably above market value because I think what Gary Trent realized is if he had opted out and gone to free agency, it's like we run into this every off season where there is a player, you can look at their production or the way that like similar players are paid around the league and say, okay, like, you know, Gary Trent's probably worth around $20 million a year. Mm -hmm. But then you get into the off season and there's like four teams with the cap space to actually sign a $20 million free agent. And, Ultimately, like you're looking at probably a bunch of teams wanting to sign you for the mid-level instead, yeah. which I think this year is coming in around 12, right? Mm -hmm. So I think he and his agent probably did that calculus and realized that it would make more sense for him to opt in and look for an extension. Like that is how players of Gary Trent's caliber manage to make more than the mid-level is by getting extended. So... Uh, whether that extension comes from the Raptors or a team that ultimately trades for him this season, like I think he's ultimately going to get more than mid-level money and that is going to work out well for him and hopefully it'll work out well for the Raptors too. But yeah. I just think having having that question answered right now is a good thing. Like having one less thing to deal with, uh, you can turn your attention to items, you know, X, Y, Z on the agenda. 100%. And I think, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Free agency is just not what it used to be. And it's not going to be the same going forward with the second apron, with the lack of room that these teams are going to have. And yeah, the avenue to getting paid and not getting kind of into that stratification zone where it's like maxes or mid-levels is to just get paid by the team you're on with bird rights and then yeah. figure it out later. And for the Raptors, it's kind of the same, right? Like you're not replacing Gary Trent Jr. with some free agent signing. And so if you can extend them, I'm not like sold on the idea of doing it right now but certainly if, if Gary Trent Jr. comes out next year shows out in a new system with Darko Ryakovic as the head coach like maybe you're talking yourself into oh he's still only 24 25 like there's some stuff here and maybe you are happy to extend him I, I think it would be to, to sort of echo your point it would be a little premature to do that right now wait and see there, there's no you know you're still going to have his bird rights at next summer there will still probably be a similar free agency situation for Gary Trent Jr. when he comes to it um 
what do you think of the idea of Gary Trent Jr. kind of taking a next step or adding more into his game, playing within a Darko Ryakovich system, which, of course, a system we've not yet seen in practice. We've heard him speak about his principles and the way he wants to play. You would assume, just from the way that Ryakovich has spoken about trying to amplify his guy's strengths, you know, this is a thing he's spoken about in pretty public forums, mm-hmm. maybe there's a way to kind of milk more out of that shooting, the, the coming around screens, the off-ball stuff for Gary Trent Jr. I, I, you know, I, I'm a little sort of lukewarm on Trent's like overall upside because I don't think he's got a ton of burst. I don't think his playmaking is all that uh, special or, or uh, existent at all, frankly. Um, but curious of your sort of belief that within a new system and just kind of with another year of being in the NBA and becoming 25, you know, maybe there's another sort of level for Gary Trent Jr. to kind of tap into on this Raptors team. Yeah, I think a more structured offense with like more set plays would probably serve him pretty well. You know, as opposed to the Raptors sort of more randomized, uh, I don't know how, how you would describe their offensive, whack-a-mole. <laughs> <laughs> their offensive system under Nurse, like just not a ton of structure to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times nudged Trent like away from his strengths, like to, to your point about amplifying player strengths. Like I think you you could spotlight him in a lot of different sets where he's involved in off-ball actions and getting catch-and-shoot threes and things like that, rather than dancing with the ball and kind of teeing up those mid-range step-backs, which, honestly, he shot really, really well from the mid-range last season. So It's a valuable it's like, skill to have, for sure. It is, but you want to have that as something for him to kind of fall back on rather than something that he's doing primarily, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, like, the skill development, I do think we saw some of it last year. The playmaking, obviously, is still very limited, and I don't see that ever being even like a neutral asset for him. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. going to be a, a limitation probably for his entire career, but that's okay. Right. Like yeah. uh, you can be a good complimentary player without having that skill. Uh, but that is sort of contingent on you being an efficient scorer in like the play types that are being run for you. And whether that is, you know, spot ups coming off of handoffs, coming off of pin downs, curls, things like that. Uh, I, I think Trent can do that. And I, I actually think in terms of like one of the areas where we did see him progress last season that was super encouraging, it was his ability to actually like get a little bit more of his offense around like the painted area, mm-hmm. get to the rim a little bit more, get into that floater range where again, he was actually quite efficient at finishing, um, got to the free throw line a little bit more like incremental steps in that direction, I think could go a long way, especially if, you know, he's finding his way to a lot of high value three point looks in a more structured offense. So like, I think he can be a, a solid contributor, but again, I'm not looking at that and thinking, well, the Raptors should extend this guy and lock him in for three or four more years necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking this could be potentially a valuable trade chip and, and somebody you can flip rather than, you know, losing him for nothing in free agency or overpaying him in free agency to avoid losing him for nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I, I don't know, I guess we'll see what direction they decide to go. We'll probably learn relatively soon whether they're going to extend him or not. But one way or another, I think this is a good outcome. And if he is in Toronto for the coming season, then he's going to be helpful. Because again, they don't have enough shooting <laughs> uh, and guard play in general. So uh, losing him would put them in an even bigger bind in that respect. 
Yeah, uh, the, the three-point shooting on this team. Not a skill you want to be detracting from in exchange for nothing. We'll see about Fred Van Vliet, but as I kind of said on yesterday's show, it's a bit of load off the mind that you're not losing both of those guys for nothing. Like, that would have been, I think, pretty hard to come back from. Now there's at least a little bit of a buffer, I would say, if they do lose Fred. Still not ideal, as we'll probably get to in just a second here. But uh, before we do that and dive into our levels of optimism that the Raptors are actually going to pull this offseason off and come out feeling pretty good about where they sit going into next season, do got to tell you about our friends over at Better help and this episode is brought to you by better help it's so easy to get caught up in what everybody else needs from you and you never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself but when you spend all your time giving it can leave you feeling a little stretched and thin and stretched thin and burned out Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others while leaving yourself without leaving yourself behind. Uh, look, therapy has helped a lot of people I know. It's been really effective. Just having someone to talk to about how you're feeling, about what you're thinking, about the decisions you have to make, it's a really helpful tool. They come in with no agenda. They're just there to listen to you and offer you their advice as to, you know, to help you guide you through tough emotions, tough decisions, tough lifetimes, all of that. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief question and get matched with a licensed therapist with and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's a big one. It's never, you know, guarantee you're going to find the right fit right away. But with BetterHelp, you can switch until you do. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash NBA. All right, we continue on here. Joe Wolfond of The Score and Pound the Rock, the, uh, for my money, the best NBA podcast out there. Um, you know, Cash notwithstanding, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, we, we love our pal Joey Cash as well. Joe Wolfond, let's uh, sort of take a look ahead here now to the rest of the offseason. The Gary Trent Jr.'s thing... Junior, yeah, Gary Trent Jr. thing is taken care of. I can't speak words today. That's fine. Um, the draft is tomorrow. There's plenty of noise about the Blazers and Scoot Henderson while the Raptors trade up. John Hollinger positing today that they could package the 13th pick with Chris Boucher for a good guard. Uh, that feels a little far-fetched, and hopefully they don't go and do that. But um, what's your sort of, uh, you know, the deadline? We, I think we spoke after the deadline. And uh, you were not, like, the biggest fan, I think it's fair to say, of what the Raptors did. And I, I think you had, all season long, you had, a, I think, a pretty healthy skepticism of the Raptors' operation as a whole. You were proven very right about your sort of preseason suggestion that, that there could be a bit of a step back. Now, with a little distance from the season, a little distance from losing to a nine-year-old in the play-in game, the draft looming now tomorrow, the free agency stuff, like, what's your level of optimism? How are you feeling about the general direction that the team seems to be taking right now? Do we know what direction the team is taking? Like, Ah, that's the question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't really know how to feel about it because it's very opaque and mm -hmm. i think some people would like to frame it as being deliberately opaque the raptors just want to keep everybody on their toes and keep them guessing and not let on what sure. their master plan really is but it's certainly starting to feel to me like there is no master plan They're sort of <laughs> flying by the seat of their pants and being agile and ready to pivot in any number of different directions depending on what the market does like that's not necessarily a bad thing but Given the way the deadline played out, I think it's fair to have a healthy dose of skepticism about their ability to make the best decision for the franchise when it comes time to, you know, decide one way or another which direction they're going to go. 
Mm-hmm. And my feeling at the time, and I feel even more strongly about it now, was they made the wrong decision at the deadline in terms of the direction they chose. And I think it's going to be difficult for them to sort of unwind that like they can. I I think ultimately, if that deal is there with Portland to be made, you make that deal. Yes. There was, I think I saw, was it Jake Fisher? He had the report where... The Blazers are apparently not interested in Siakam as part of the, you know, the package of Simons and the number three pick that they've reportedly been dangling. So mm-hmm. uh, I to don't know if that, that's if that's posturing or if that would mm-hmm. change, but you don't you don't necessarily like to hear that. To add to that quickly, Sean Hyken had a really great thing at Rose Garden Report last night. Go pay Sean Hyken your money. It's excellent. Uh, and he kind of laid out the case of like the Siakam thing, talent-wise, it's a no-brainer. Like, yes, him yeah. and Dame would be an awesome duo. It would be, like, really, really fantastic. The problem is the second apron and having to pay Pascal and Max on his next deal a year from now when you're already paying Damian Lillard the money that Damian Lillard makes. That could get a little murky. Zion, as the other option, kind of makes more sense financially. He's on a lower deal. He's locked in for five years. Yes, there's more risk there, but maybe that's the risk worth taking for the Blazers, considering their current conundrum. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Carry on. No, I mean, I think that all of those things have to be considered, and Mm -hmm. I think it's fair also for them to say, yeah, this guy is a year away from free agency, going to command a a huge contract. Uh, So if it's like, I don't know if if I'm Portland and I'm saying because I think there was also reporting that Jake Fisher story that they would prefer Ingram to Zion and aren't even necessarily interested in in trading that package for Zion. Right. So I think Siakam's a better player than Ingram and I think a considerably better fit next to Dame than Ingram would be. But Ingram is what four years younger and you know, on a contract that has, I want to say like three years left on it at like the, you know, the first max basically, mm-hmm. which is significantly less than Pascal is going to be making on his next deal. So those are factors that are going to play into their decision. And ultimately if they decide, you know, you know, no thank you on the Pascal thing, then uh, they will be, I mean, I guess depending on what they decide to do instead, like I've been saying all along, if I was Portland, I would just be looking to go the other direction, see what I can get for Dame, mm-hmm. make that number three overall pick and and rebuild this thing around that pick and whatever you get back for Lillard and Sharp. And um, like they actually have some good young pieces that they can rebuild with if they, mm-hmm. but, but they're, you know, seem sort of hell bent on continuing to try to win now around Lillard. So uh, I, I am kind of hopeful i guess that the raptors can capitalize on that desperation mm-hmm. but there are other teams that are going to be looking to capitalize on that and those other teams like the pelicans for example might have something more appealing to offer um so yeah barring that i mean that that feels to me like the very obvious uh, like off ramp you know That's where you're on, yeah. you know you're on this highway to midville and there is the <laughs> off ramp. And apart from that, it's not especially obvious what they can or should do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and whether, you know, like they would have to, I think, get creative. And it's like, okay, then you pivot to is OG the guy that you look to trade? Are there, you know, packages out there similar to what was reportedly being offered at the deadline where you can pull in multiple first round picks? Uh, I know. There's like the reporting about Indiana, right? With the number seven pick looking to move yeah. that for uh, uh, for for a high quality wing, which 
I feel like they've been linked to OG in the past. They were one of the teams that I'm pretty sure was offering three first round picks at the deadline. So how appealing is that number seven pick to the Raptors and what, what else would have to be added to that to make it worth their while? Um, and, and that's like, you know, before getting into like, you know, the Fred and Yak free agency that <laughs> I continue to not know what the answer is because I, like losing Fred for nothing would be tough. Finding a sign and trade for him where you get something back of real value would be tough. Mm-hmm. And bringing him back at like 30 plus million dollars a year would be tough. Like they're they're a little bit backed into a corner on that front. And with Pirtle, it's kind of it's more just about the optics of like you gave up a lightly protected first round pick for this dude. Yeah. And letting him walk after a couple of months with him that got you nothing, got you a play in loss, uh, would be a really bad look. So, uh, yeah, there there are no apart from like that that potential Pascal trade. I don't think there are any like very easy decisions or options for them to make. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, outside of the Portland thing with Pascal, I, I have yet to see a very compelling alternative pascal trade like i mean maybe houston in the fourth pick i just i don't really care about the fourth pick i want scoot henderson like that's that's it is he's the guy to pair with scotty barnes and Mm. you know maybe you get amen thompson and he becomes awesome or something like that and hey like maybe there's a pathway there you get one of the other young players on that houston team you know they don't have any salaries i think to really throw into a deal either it's it's tricky so (sighs) and that's that's without even getting into like and this is a huge part of the reason I was so down on the Pirtle deal to begin with. But like that pick next year is top six protected. So mm. it's not a great year to be like kicking off a rebuild and being a bad team. Sure. Because which I just don't think they have an appetite for and never really have. And so I guess I don't really see that as being one of the outcomes here where they're just like, you know what, let's go into the tubes. Like I have a hard time seeing them do that. Especially considering they probably shouldn't trade OG. He's a great fit next to Scotty Barnes. You should just have OG on the team, I think. I've kind of come back around on that. Yeah. Pascal's the one, and that one's tough. Look, I I love OG, and we've talked about him a lot on this show before. (laughs) And he's a he's a rare kind of player. Like you just there are maybe like, you know, four or five guys around the league who can do the the things that OG can do at both ends of the floor. He's also, I mean, he feels to me at least like a good candidate to be overpaid on his next contract. Sure. And I think it's more likely that with Pascal, you get a player who is going to provide something like close to equivalent value for what he's going to be paid. Mm -hmm. Whereas with OG, I think that what it's going to take to re-sign him, especially after, you know, he's probably feeling like he got fleeced a little bit on his last deal. And justifiably so. I don't know, man. I think you, you're maybe stretching yourself a little bit to bring him back. And that's why getting out ahead of it and moving him now at something close to the peak of his value. I mean, I, I was in favor of trading him at the deadline because I thought that was the peak of his value. Maybe you can mm-hmm. still get something similar now. That's why that would make sense. So you just sure. don't put yourself in that situation where you either, again, are like at risk of losing him for nothing or you have to maybe go above and beyond to bring him back. We don't need to linger too much more on this, but I, I do want to just sort of ask you. They bring back Fred. They bring back Yak. 
Mm-hmm. They more or less run it back. Maybe they don't even bring back Fred in this case. Like they, they just they go in with whatever they can retain of what they have as pending. They get the thirteenth pick. They'll have their mid level, which we're gonna get to in a second. They have a new coach who, like, again, we don't we haven't seen Darko Ryakovic actually coach. I don't want to be like fully into the tank and drinking the Kool Aid before we've actually seen it. But I do think he stands a chance of rectifying a lot of what was wrong about last year in that like everyone seemed to just be miserable at work all year (laughs) and i think there's actually like win value baked into that we can't quantify it but i do think that's a thing is running it back that bad i guess like is it something where it's not the perfect option but it's better than just kind of selling off guys for the sake of selling off guys you get to figure out a little bit more what this is with Jakob Pertl. You only had 26 games. And look, I know it was not against great competition. And overall, they, like, they barely closed with Yak in close games. I understand all the reasons why to not totally buy into that last 26 games. But there was also undeniably stuff that was promising. OG played incredible ball off of Yak. And I think that's a really interesting tandem going forward. I, I think there is room for you know Darko Ryakovich's offensive principles to milk a little bit more out of what that team was able to do on offense. And I think their defense, just on pure talent, stands a chance of being pretty damn good, regardless of what the scheme ends up being. And so am I like talking myself into circles thinking, barring the scoot thing, the best option here is to just run it back and then reevaluate next year's trade deadline. And then obviously next summer before the real cap crunch comes in with OG and Pascal and potentially like a precious deal coming out of the books for the following season. No, not necessarily, but I think, you know, you have to go into that with both eyes open and understand the risks, right? Yeah. And the downside of that is the team continues to be mediocre and that's what you're clinging to. Or you decide, okay, we don't want to be mediocre. Let's pivot and make these trades. And your, you know, the opportunity cost, like that ship has sailed in terms of like getting max value for the players that you ultimately decide to move. Sure. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, you you never want to make moves just for the sake of making moves. But like, you know, Washington is always going to be the cautionary tale about just holding <laughs> on too long. Sure. The Raptors aren't going to end up in a situation like that. But as players get closer to free agency, their value is going to wane. And that's why being proactive, you know, can really benefit a team where, you know, they're maybe... Even if they decide to pivot a year earlier than fans or even you know other people around the league think they will or think they should, I think that's I mean that's going to be better ultimately than doing it a year too late. Right. So yeah, I think they could run it back. And I mean, you mentioned maybe Fred's not there. Like Fred being there is going to be the differentiator between them being like to me a, a below five hundred team and potentially like a you know a forty five to fifty win team even. Like they could. I think bring everybody back and be close to a 50 win team. If mm-hmm. they have like, you know, reasonable health. Yeah. Um, because Scotty takes whatever third year incremental growth you, you, you have all that. Yeah. Yeah. And like they played after the trade deadline with Pirtle about like that level of ball, right? They were playing more or less like a 45, 47 win team in terms mm-hmm. of like their, record and their point differential so yeah you do that for an entire season they could they could absolutely do that again or maybe even be slightly better than that with a new coach and again like you said the the, like steps from barnes maybe another step forward from og 
whatever they get in the draft, supplement their guard depth. Um, and then you like the mid-level, which obviously we're going to get into talking about. But I, I think if Pirtle and Fred are both back, those deals are going to push them into the tax, right? Like they're right. going to have the, the mini mid-level rather than the full mid-level. So mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, with, with that, you're looking at getting a player in like the Otto Porter mold, which, hey, maybe Otto Porter can contribute this year. That would be nice. Baby, That'd it's happening. Really, really He's nice. Fresh legs, barely played all year. That toe's going to be well rested. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, there, there's totally a scenario where they do that and they're like a quality team. Mm-hmm. Um, is that worth it? That's the question, right? Is that worth holding on to, you know, this, this idea of the team? this core for another year or more knowing that it could mean, you know, you're basically just kicking the can down the road in terms of, I mean, I think the Raptors goal would be like, just stay good and you don't ever have to do the full rebuild thing. You just sort of seamlessly transition from one timeline to the next, but that's a really tough needle to thread. It is. I mean, by their actions, they seem unworried about tough needles to thread. Uh, Bobby Webster out here just knitting up a storm. We are going to come back on the other side and play mid-level madness. Everybody's favorite game where I pull names of free agents who are not all that exciting, and we dig into whether or not they would be a fit with your Toronto Raptors on the mid-level. We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get it on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now, new customers getting no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to 1000 bucks in ba- 1000 bucks back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. If you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, you know this team can't score any damn runs, and so maybe you just go put a little money on the under whenever the Blue Jays are playing. You're probably going to be in pretty good shape if you go ahead and do that. Also, if you can take the over on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. ground balls, you should probably do that as well. I don't think that's actually on the site, but there are plenty of in-game bets you can make about the Blue Jays, and uh, God, I hate that team. Don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Let's go. <clears throat> All right. Rounding out the show here with Joe Wolfon of The Score, who was uh, knowingly snickering, it seemed, in the background at my uh, frustration about the stupid Blue Jays. Boy, oh boy. Not, not, I know they won last night. Every win, it's like, oh, they're five games over, and yet they still feel totally miserable. Um, by the way, a reminder, uh, thanks to the everyday listeners of the show. If you are an everyday, let us know in the comments. We much appreciate you lovely, lovely folks. And if you haven't yet, go make sure and check out the Locked at NBA mock draft, where I made two picks for the Raptors. Despite being against trading OG Ananobi in real life, I made an OG Ananobi trade in fake life in the podcast with the Memphis Grizzlies. Got a little Tyus Jones in the door. Got some first-round picks in the door. Got Bilal Koulibaly at 25. I kind of nailed the draft. Go check it out. All the breakdowns from Raphael Barlow and our wonderful crew over at Locked On NBA Big Board and Locked On College Basketball as well. Okay, Joe, it's time. We're playing Mid-Level Madness. I have the all-important hat with like 16 names. We're not going to do all these today. We'll sort of sprinkle this in over the next week or so before free agency. But the game is simple. I pull out a guy. We have like 90 seconds to talk about why they would be a good fit with the Toronto Raptors. In fact, I think I have to get my timer here so we can do the timing. And I'm going to pare it down to a minute. How about that? They're going to do 60 seconds, Joe, of talk on these guys. 
as I very clumsily fiddle through my phone with my very stupid uh, fingers that are too fat. Uh, all right, I got a minute on the clock. I've got a bunch of free agents in the hat. Are you ready to talk about, this is a good one, Dylan Brooks. Joe Wolfond, Dylan Brooks, probably going to command more than the mid-level, or at least that's what I, I would imagine Dylan Brooks thinks of himself. But as we've talked about, the mid-level is kind of where most free agents have to end up because of the state of the league. Uh, Dylan Brooks, Raptors fit? Huh? Bring him to me. Let's go. <laughs> Bring me all the defensively grimy, non-shooting wings in the world. I mean, dude, he has to be a Raptor. Uh, but... Like, again, so this is one where, and I'm sure we're going to run into this a bunch, but the difference between having access to the full mid-level versus the mini mid-level mm-hmm. is going to be significant. Like, Brooks on the full mid-level, totally realis- uh, realistic target. Mm-hmm. On the tax mid-level, probably not. And then even on if you do have access to the full, full mid-level, you probably want to use it on somebody who's not going to be redundant. And mm-hmm. as much as I love Dylan Brooks... I do really love him, and I know I'm in the minority on that, but I do think he would be redundant on this Raptors team, so you probably look elsewhere with the full MLE. Just imagine, Joe. But you did that in uh, 54 seconds. Well done. Uh, just imagine, Joe, the defensive like shell of uh, point guard Scotty Barnes. Eh, he's not very good at the point of attack. Maybe we forget about him for a second. But you've got at your two, three, and four, OG Ananobi, Dylan Brooks, and Precious Achua. Just switch it everything into oblivion. I maybe kind of am into that uh, as much yeah. as I feel like the energy of Dylan Brooks feels like a weird sort of bath bomb to drop into this Raptors bath. Uh, like it just. <sighs> you want to see know. a team win some games with like forty six percent true shooting? Then that <laughs> is going to be the team for you. Let's double um, down on what went wrong last year, huh? Let's do it. All right, let's pull out another guy here. Uh, oh, this is, I think, my favorite guy. Did I intend to put this guy at the top because I think he's maybe my favorite target? Yes. Uh, Max Struess. NBA Finals starting? Max Struess. Could be the second straight year they bring in a guy who started games in the NBA Final with their mid-level. Again, worked really well last year with Otto Porter Jr. Thoughts on Max Struess with the mid-level for your Toronto Raptors? Would love it. Uh, again, I think that's going to be a full mid-level guy. Mm-hmm. Uh and I also kind of expect Miami to bring him back. But if not, if you do have access to the full mid-level, then yeah, I think one of the big things that I'm looking for that I feel like the team really needs in order to unlock Scotty Barnes as like yes. a handoff hub, you want movement shooters around him. And the Raptors mm-hmm. just don't really have that. Like Trent is pretty much the closest thing they have to that. And he is not like a super shifty stop and pop quick release kind of shooter where if you have Scotty sort of, you know, running delay action or running like the dribble handoff game in the middle of the floor and you want to unlock him on keeper plays and things like that, you just like, you just need to have more movement shooting around him and Struess would bring you that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think in terms of like being able to take advantage of what some people would call the negative spacing, which is like, if you watch Draymond Green, DeMontis, the duck is going off. Your time is up, Joe. I'll give you 10 (laughs) seconds to close your thought. (laughs) But the way that you take advantage of like, if, if guys are sagging off Scotty Barnes is like, you have movement shooters who can come off those DHOs. And then suddenly like the defender is not up Mm -hmm. and you force him to press up on Scotty. And that's going to open up a lot of, you know, options for him as a scorer. 
Yeah, Max Struess, I think, uh, is like the dream world. Maybe maybe the top target, honestly, considering what the Raptors need. We'll see what happens in the draft. Maybe they go draft Grady Dick, and they have that movement shooter, or Jordan Hawkins, and their surplus to requirements. But again, rookies, uh, who knows? Um, let's do one more here to round it out, Joe. Uh, thank you for being part of Mid-Level Madness. This is a weird one. Dario Saric. Uh, maybe not taking the full mid-level. You could get that with the tax mid-level, I think. Uh, thoughts on Dario Saric? A little uh, extra like shooting at the big man position, even though he's kind of small. I know he's had some good moments as like a backup five in the past with the Suns. Maybe mm-hmm. a little long in the tooth injury-wise. Where you at with Dario Saric? You got a minute on the clock. Uh, I would be fine signing Saric with like the minimum. Sure. I think if you have access to the mid-level, you don't want to use it really on... Like if Pirtle's back, you don't want to use it on another big man, I don't think. Yeah. Precious is going to be your backup center. You're probably going to play Should he some be, though? Minutes. I feel like Coloco, maybe I would prefer get those minutes. Sure. Precious Either way, like you have three guys who can sop up minutes at center. There's probably going to be some amount of time where you're playing small with like Scotty as the nominal five. That's I don't where know he was best any... last year. I hope they do that a little bit. He was awesome yeah. there. O- offensively. <laughs> offensively. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's room for another center in that mix. And again, if you can get him on the minimum, then great. Like have that depth, have that insurance, have a, a different look that you can throw out where you're spacing the floor with your center. But I would not go above the, the minimum uh, for Sarge. That makes sense. Wow. Perfectly timed. We got one more. Because you've been so efficient with your time, Joe, we've got one more. Let's pull out the name. Uh, we've got oh everybody's favorite title swinging player from the deadline, Jay Crowder, who I don't think has played basketball in like 18 <laughs> months now at this point. Uh, Jay Crowder, that also feels like a minimum guy at this point, too, although yeah. he'll want to start after being signed on said minimum and uh, ask out of town if he doesn't. Uh, Jay Crowder, you got a minute on the clock. You might not need it. What you got? Hard pass. Uh, yeah. yeah, on anything more than a minimum deal. I just, I, I don't know that he's totally cooked, but with the Bucks, he just looked pretty slow mm-hmm. and he's like the idea of him as a shooter i think has always been better than the reality and he's helped his own case with like some really hot shooting stretches but he's just crazy streaky mm-hmm. and ultimately he's still going to come in as like a i don't know mid 30 percent type of three-point shooter at best so so the third best shooter on the raptors <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like that's it's just like that's fake spacing, you know, because mm-hmm. people don't actually respect Jay Crowder as a shooter. So he's not really doing a whole lot to open up the floor for you. And he's just not mm-hmm. the defender that he used to be. So I'm taking a pass on that one. Yeah, me too. Not for me. Uh, just spoiler alert for those really excited for more mid-level madness. Jay Crowder is kind of the level of dude who's out there for agency-wise this year. A lot of the, a lot of the cases. So uh, maybe the mid-level will not be the Raptors' path to salvation this year. That yeah. said, a few more interesting names that we'll get to in the coming weeks with uh, other guests as we uh, bring them on through. Joe, this has been lovely. Thank you so much for for popping on the show. Uh, any last, uh, like, I don't know, you have like a bird, like a burbling hot take on something that you want to see done by tomorrow? Like, are you, uh, you know, do you have like a guy? I know you're not much of a draft guy. Do you have it? You're like a guy you've zeroed in on irrationally for the Raptors. Any parting shots here before the draft tomorrow? Uh, no, I really don't. Like, I just don't. I, I used to, like, try and cram before the draft and, like, mm. just get 
you know, minimally informed, I guess, going into it about who I liked, didn't like, and things like that. But uh, I just, especially since <laughs> having a kid, uh, I just don't have time between like all the like the work covering the league, and then it's mm-hmm. like you get basically a week from the time the season ends in the lead up to the draft, and ultimately there are just so many people out there who are doing that work and are like have so much more information and better insights than I'm going to have about the draft that it feels totally pointless for me to even try to throw my hat into the ring with a, with an informed opinion about it. So (laughs) I always defer on that front. Uh, I will just say, I think, I think ultimately if they do run it back, you know, for all the stuff we talked about, about how they could still be a a pretty good team, Mm -hmm. I'll come away feeling disappointed by yeah. that. Like I think they have an opportunity this offseason to pivot in a way that's going to set them up really well for the future. And I think as much as it might hurt in the present to dismantle what could be a pretty decent team, I still think that that's probably the right approach. And I think a couple years down the road they would be grateful that they did so rather than holding on a little bit too long. So I don't know that that qualifies as a scalding hot take, but <laughs> but my feeling is it was a wolf is, on uh, temperature take, which is like exactly the right temperature you want. You know, you're yeah. not like burning your mouth off. You're not. It's not cold. It's just yeah. That's that's the right stuff, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's I, my I mean, feeling. And yeah. like I would say, they could run it back, have a pretty good year. Like maybe you know, let's say win 47 games, maybe maybe even win a playoff series, and like that would be fun. That would be exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it would be a little bit of a What's the what's the term I'm looking for here? Like a a bit of a mirage in the desert, you know, where it's like you just it would be fleeting, and uh, like a couple years later, I think we would all feel a little bit upset that that was the thing that we were chasing because hmm. it's going to compromise their ability to have an even brighter future than that down the road. Well said, man. I I think I'm probably a little more kind of on the idea of you run it back and then maybe good things sprout from that and we're talking three years from now like man good thing they didn't break it up that would have been uh, a bad idea but I, you know totally possible it goes the other way as well it'd be nice if portland just played ball and made it simple and just uh said yes let's do the thing and make the trade and get pascal and dame together i also want a nice landing spot for pascal and that would be a really fun combo to watch those guys eviscerate other teams with uh you know lowry siakam style pick and roll from 2019-20 except better um we'll leave it there joe thank you so much everyone go check out pound the rock and uh all that you do over at the score it's fantastic stuff uh and we will leave it there thank you so much for tuning into the show we'll be back again tomorrow morning to tee up the draft maybe get katie heindel in here just for some pre-draft feelings or maybe there's some other developments that have come on and some rumors to dig into we'll get into all of that in the meantime please subscribe to the show for free wherever you get your podcast and on youtube please go and uh join the discord the link is in the description come hang out it's gonna be the place to be on draft night for all of your reaction and uh you know there's a maybe you have a channel for like it's a safe space for really really crazy takes and If you have those, you can just drop them in there and they'll be seen and understood and not judged. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Thursday. Have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye.